Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hey beautiful, I hope you're well. Today it is just me. I've decided to jump on and do a solo episode all about confidence because as much as we've had so many amazing guests who have been so wise and so insightful, sometimes I'm just dying to kind of share a bit of my wisdom with you too. And I really love to answer your questions through Instagram as well and I want to bring those to the podcast too. So that's what I'm going to do today. So today I want to talk about some of the things that I guess get in the way of us feeling fully confident and embodying really high self-worth and really stepping into our power. And I want to talk about some of the barriers and some of the kind of walls that we come up against. So those walls that we come up against when we start to take action towards our desires, but then we feel fear or then we feel doubt or then we're criticized. Because when you kind of have that awareness of what those blocks are or where those walls are, then you actually can do something with them, right? If we're not aware that we're going to run into that fear, we're going to kind of touch it, hit it, and then we're going to go, ah, and then, you know, run away from it. So the more awareness you have around um, knowing what those walls are, knowing what the challenges are going to be when you start to step into confidence and take more bold action in your life, the more power you have to kind of push through them and persist and create confidence over the long term. So I want to acknowledge the fact that change is really hard. So some people change overnight, but a lot of people don't. And my confidence journey, it can, I guess, look like an overnight success, but it's been, you know, six years in the making, six years of hard work, six years of changes. And growth is hard too. Personal development isn't all rainbows and sunshine and unicorns and, you know, sparkle and all the glamorous spiritual stuff. Growth is hard. Growth is potentially crying on your bathroom floor. Growth is not having anyone to turn to and having to figure it out in your own dark night of the soul on your own. Growth is feeling angry. Growth is feeling stretched and pulled in different directions. Growth is rock bottom. A lot of growth begins there. So that hardness and that resistance and that struggle is part of the process of confidence. Just like a caterpillar transforms into a butterfly, 
It has to completely break down inside of the cocoon in order to go through that metamorphosis. And at some point it ceases to exist. It's not a caterpillar and it's not a butterfly. It's in that kind of in-between space, in that waiting space. And that's usually where we don't want to sit. That's usually when it feels really hard. But that is part of that metamorphosis and that change and that transformation into confidence. Also, in order for the butterfly to even be able to fly when it gets out of the cocoon, it needs to struggle out of it. So there's this really beautiful kind of tale or story that I once heard and it's this man and he sees this butterfly struggling to get out of a cocoon and it's on a tree and he feels sorry for it. And so he runs up and he snips the cocoon and the butterfly falls out and then it dies because it never developed the strength in its wings through the struggle to be able to fly. And it actually kind of reminds me of this nice little story when I was about two or three years old. It's one of my first memories. And I remember I just got out of the pool and I was running around in my swimmers and I'd made this puddle on the ground and I looked back and there was a bee and it had gotten really wet in my puddle. And I felt terrible because I thought, you know, oh my God, I've killed this bee. I need to help it. It's struggling. And in me pushing that bee with my finger and trying to push it along, it stung me and then it died, of course. And so often when we're in this rock bottom or we're in this dark space, we want someone else to come along and save us. We pray for someone to come along and help us. We pray for the answer and other people around us. But you know, what I've learned and what I've seen time and time again with my clients is that nobody's going to save you. And if they do, it's not going to empower you over the long term, right? It's like a temporary confidence boost. It's an externally derived confidence boost, but it's never going to give you that inner confidence if you don't empower yourself through that struggle. So many times in life, we will be thrown into really tough situations where we question things or we're not really sure where to go. And I believe that those kind of moments are where we can find the transformation that we want and we can transmute that difficult emotional experience into something even more beautiful and to something that helps us become more of the magical being that we were always born to be. In my experience, every single struggle that I have gone through from childhood abuse to, you know, years and years of undiagnosed PTSD, then diagnosed PTSD, to traumatic flashbacks, to a career that was sucking the life out of me, to self-doubt, self-sabotage, toxic behaviors around alcohol, drugs, and my body, breakups from hell, being cheated on, cheating on other people, all of those things, all of those complete shitstorms really are what have led to the growth, the power, and the person that I am now proud to be. It was through those difficult, almost soul-destroying at times experiences that I've become the person that I was when I was born. I've become the person that I was supposed to be. And those experiences, hard as they were, are what stripped me back to that person. So when we're going through a difficult change 
or when we're choosing to make a change in our life that is a big one, like changing careers or leaving a relationship or starting a business or whatever it is, it can feel really, really daunting. And I'm sure that you felt this way before and, you know, that's normal. There's going to be highs. There's going to be lows. There's going to be doubt. But overall, you know that if you make that leap and you just take one step forward each day or each moment, you've still moved forward. You've still progressed. And you've also shown vulnerability and courage. As you overcome more and more barriers that you previously thought that you couldn't have overcome, you create this beautiful relationship of self-trust, right? You create this track record of knowing that you can figure things out even when they're tough. So the next time the tough situation comes up, you've got that inner knowing, that inner strength and that inner trust where you can wholeheartedly believe that you know how to kind of get over things that are hard because you've got a track record of doing that. But what happens when we have low confidence or we're scared or we believe that we're not good enough to do things is we often overthink and then we don't take any action. And without the action or without that willingness to make mistakes and then rise back up again, we never create that relationship of self-trust. And then we never create self-belief, which means we then don't take any action at all again. So it becomes this kind of perpetual uh, vicious cycle. So with that in mind, I really want you now to have a think and think about all the things that you have overcome in your life and really honor the progression and the transformations that you've had, even if right now you're not in a place that feels good or you're not kind of where you want to be. Because no matter what, and I can kind of say this without even knowing you, the listener who's listening, I know that you have had transformations in your life. I know that you've overcome struggles. And I know that if you're listening to this, that you're still here, right? And I want you to recognize that this has been 100% because of you. It's not because of me or the people around you. It's not because of any other circumstance or reason. It's because of you and your willingness to continue to show up and to push forward and to keep trying and to keep recommitting to yourself and your life. So I want you to take a deep breath now and really own that and own the responsibility that you've taken up until now for your life. And I also want you to own the fact and remember always that you are 100% in charge of your life. No matter what's happened to you, no matter what has been done to you, no matter where you've been or what mistakes you've made or what you did or didn't do, you have 100% responsibility and power over the present moment and where you're heading. Given how much responsibility you have, you are also responsible for the changes that you make going forward. You are responsible for how confident you feel. You could be the person that makes a mistake every single day or, you know, fails all of the time. 
but it is your responsibility how you respond to that failure and how you respond to making those mistakes. It is your responsibility how confident you are and it's a choice. And given how powerful and committed and brave you've been your whole life, which is what we just acknowledged, there really isn't anything that you can't handle. You might be in a crisis or a bad situation or a really challenging period of your life, but you have handled so much up until now. You've honoured commitments that you'd never even thought you'd dip your toe into and you've done them. You might have had difficult weeks, but you've still shown up again and again and again and you've figured it out. Everything in life and your life and your future can be figured out. And you don't have to have all the answers to figure that out because, my friends, nobody has all the answers. I certainly don't and neither do you and that's okay. But what you do have is the ability to rise up after you've fallen down and to figure it out as you go. Knowing that you are a master at figuring things out already, it's really important that you fully accept where you're at right now and love yourself and accept yourself for the person that you are right now, for the situations you're in and the time in your life, whilst also thinking about where you'd love to kind of lean into or grow in your life. It's so important that we accept where we are before looking about or looking to where we want to go. Wayne Dyer, who, you know, was so amazing, used to say it was called a disease called more. When we believe that we're deficient or we kind of reject where we are or who we are, we will always be trying to achieve the next thing or achieve the next goal because we think that when we tick that box, or when we achieve that goal, that then we'll feel enough. But as you'll probably know, if you're an achieving type of person like I am, you'll tick that box, it will be temporarily fulfilling, and then you're going to go, okay, what's next, right? So it's so important that we both recognize where we are, have that awareness, and fully accept where we are without judgment before we then set goals about where we want to go or what we want to achieve. Because when we believe that we're enough and when we can accept where we are whilst also saying, okay, this is where I want to grow, this is how I want to evolve, then we're coming from what we call a growth mindset. And when we come from a growth mindset, we have more energy to give to our goals rather than our goals draining our energy, which is what happens when we come from deficiency and feeling like we're not good enough. And we also maximize our potential in the pursuit of those goals because we're coming from a place of growth and possibility and wanting to expand rather than trying to fix or change ourselves. It's so important that I also tell you right now that it's possible for you to be both a work in progress and a masterpiece at the same time. Sometimes I kind of cheekily call this, you can be a mess and a masterpiece, right? But, you know, you're not a mess. But it's possible to kind of want to be, you know, working on things and growing and evolving and not having it all figured out while 
you know, still putting yourself out there and still recognizing that you're perfect as you are, even though you want to grow more and you want to evolve more. Because nobody is ever done growing, learning or progressing. Certainly not me. Certainly not, you know, the gurus of our time. And I would actually question anyone that claims that they're perfectly enlightened and have no stories or triggers or emotional challenges in their own life. We are all navigating our own shit, seriously. <laughs> I feel triggered all the time. I do, I, you know, the other day I was saying I felt really angry. I felt really frustrated. I sometimes fall into victim mode, even though I teach and I mentor about this stuff. But what I have is that awareness and that acceptance of myself that I'm able to kind of take that and compartmentalize it and look at it almost like a fly on the wall, objectively observing myself um, as I step out of my trigger, as I step out of my story. And then I can kind of say, okay, well, how do I want to grow from this? How do I want to evolve from this versus I'm not done yet. I'm not fixed yet. I'm not enlightened yet because nobody is. So it's not about beating yourself up for not being perfect or, you know, putting yourself on this timeline of how quickly you should be growing or progressing with your personal development. But it's just about noticing, noticing, you know, the progress, but also noticing like the areas where things are still showing up and being kind to yourself as you work on those things. So when we think of any growth that we want to make in our lives, it's really important that we think about, you know, what are the kind of changes that might need to happen in order for me to see this vision come to life? And I don't mean changes necessarily in your nature or your essence, but what do I need to kind of facilitate in my life? so that I can see this vision come to life and so that I can vibrate at my highest, most confident energy. It might be an environmental change. So maybe there's some way that your environment needs to shift in order to support the manifestation of your most confident self. Maybe some of your relationships need to change or take on a new dynamic through a conversation or a communication that you create. Maybe it's about changing, you know, the way that you treat your body or the foods that you eat or the way that you approach health and wellness. Maybe it's about, you know, having more balance there. And like I've already said, change can be really hard, especially if it's a big change and especially if it's a change that is really important to you or really close to your heart. But it's okay for change to be hard. It doesn't mean that we can't change or that we shouldn't or, you know, that we won't, but it's about, you know, having that awareness that change is hard, knowing that that's par for the course, and then recognizing, you know, whether that change that we desire is actually coming from our authentic self and our authentic desires or whether it's coming from a limiting belief of, you know, I'm not good enough and if I change, then I will be. Because in that case, like Wayne Dyer says, you end up with the disease called more and you'll never feel truly confident and truly embodied in your self-worth. So I've got seven tips that I thought I could share with you on this podcast to help you move forward, to make some positive changes and make magic in your life 
that comes from an authentic place and helps you to be more kind and more loving and more trusting of yourself throughout that process. Tip number one is to create a super, super keen hyper-awareness of what your subconscious mind is telling you. What is the story that is being driven by your subconscious mind and therefore affecting your choices, affecting your thoughts, your emotions, your decisions, and therefore the reality that you manifest? So the subconscious mind drives all of our behavior and it's subconscious. So often we are quite blind to it. It's kind of like the car that's in the lane next to you. It's there, but you can't really see it. But if you, you know, change lanes, you're going to hit with it. So the subconscious mind is created from about, you know, the age of two to seven, maybe younger, um, while the brain is still in its kind of hypnotic state. It's still very sponge-like, absorbent. It's learning. It's learning about your identity, who you are, and it's responding to the world um, in a theta state. So it's kind of like if you think about a computer, right? It's the software that's being programmed at this age. Um, and although we grow up and our brain develops and we develop that more kind of logical side of ourself, we still have that limbic childlike brain, sometimes referred to as the inner child and the subconscious mind that is driving a lot of the thoughts and decisions and feelings that we experience. And the subconscious mind is this hidden memory bank of everything that you've ever experienced, even if your conscious mind doesn't remember it. So a lot of the time we work with the conscious mind and we work with how we consciously understand things, but then we have these behaviors and we have these fear-driven tendencies and these emotional blind spots that affect us or determine how we behave. And then we feel really confused or we feel anxious because it's almost like a tug of war between the conscious mind, which we are familiar with and we understand, and the subconscious mind that's a bit more irrational perhaps or rooted in emotional trauma or rooted in struggle or pain from the past. And it can feel like that back and forth. So when you have a keen awareness of what the subconscious mind's story is and what its beliefs are and where those beliefs are activated, then, like I said with um, awareness just before, it's like you know where you are, you know what you're dealing with, and then from there you can create positive change or you can step out of the reaction and step into the empowering response to life. We spend, you know, somewhere like 90, 95% of our lives in the subconscious, unaware of our patterns, thoughts, and behaviors. And if you have a situation in your life that is undesirable, but continues to show up or persist, that is usually because you are in touch with a wound or blind spot that is rooted in the subconscious mind. So an example of this would be if you continue to end up in relationships with men who are taken or, um, you know, with the desire that you want a loving, connected relationship, but you keep ending up with people who are unavailable. That's just an example, right? So there would be a subconscious wound there around your worthiness or your ability to attract and hold a loving, unconditional, present relationship with someone. Um, 
Or another example would be if you continue to end up in the same situation at work, even though you don't want to be in that situation, or you continue to end up in relationships where you're kind of walked all over, but you want to feel acknowledged and cared for and taken care of by your friends, but you're taking care of everyone else, right? So there would be a subconscious wound or a limiting belief that's at play there. And your core subconscious beliefs are the driving force behind the choices that you make. And those choices then continue to perpetuate and continue to manifest the belief of the subconscious mind. So if your subconscious mind is programmed to believe that you're stupid, you will then act from that belief. And therefore, you know, you might engage in different behaviors, which continue to manifest as you feeling stupid or looking stupid. And the cycle continues viciously. The subconscious holds this homeostatic impulse, which keeps you thinking the same thoughts and reliving the same patterns. So if you want to break the patterns, if you want to fulfill your desires, but you feel like you're getting in your own way or life's getting in the way, or you're never kind of reaching that desire or reaching that goal, it's worthwhile getting a really keen awareness of what your limiting beliefs are and what the story of the subconscious mind tells you on a day-to-day basis so that you can then work with it to figure out where does this come from? Um, What's the payoff for having this belief? Why do I have this belief? what does this belief cause me to do or how does it cause me to act or behave or respond to life? And from there, what does that create? What results come from me behaving in that way? And when you can do that, you can really start to quantify what the cost of that belief is, what, you know, joy or happiness or spirituality or peace does that way of being cost you in life? And when you kind of get aware of the full capacity and the full kind of consequence of having those destructive subconscious beliefs, then you can start to say, okay, well, this isn't working. What am I going to do? How am I going to notice myself activating in these situations and how am I going to respond differently and create a new result? And this is something that I go over so, so intensively with all my clients, but definitely in the Make Your Magic Academy. The first module is self-awareness for the very reason that if you think of a GPS system, right, if you want to go somewhere, you have to know where you're standing right now to kind of map that path. You have to know what those obstacles or those detours are going to be along the way if you want to make it on time and if you want to get there. So in Make Your Magic Academy, we go really deep into what is the subconscious story? Where did this belief of I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable originate? Why did it originate? Where did the coping strategies originate and what do those look like in your life now as an adult? And with almost every single woman I've ever worked with, the confidence issue that they're experiencing in the present moment isn't actually a response to what's happening now. It is rooted deeply in the past, in childhood, in these original moments of your confidence being lost or the belief that you're not good enough being implanted in your subconscious mind. 
And so when you can get to the root cause and create self-awareness around that root cause, then you can actually make positive change in the present moment, in the present situation. And then you can, with a new behavior, create a new result for yourself. The next tip that I want to give you is almost just like a piece of reassurance, I guess. And it is for you to know that you're never going to have all the information. One of the big things that I hear all the time, you know, when people DM me and my clients and the girls in the Make Your Magic Academy is that they get stuck in overthinking and they want to know how to get out of overthinking. And the reason that they often get stuck in overthinking is because they want to make the perfect decision or they want to make the right decision. And then what actually happens is they get what I call analysis paralysis where they spend so long analyzing all the information and trying to, I guess, forecast all the outcomes, all the possible outcomes that could exist to therefore make, you know, the best decision. And I do think you can't just make decisions on on a whim all the time or impulsively. And you should use your logical mind. But if that analysis is causing you to take no action, then you're not moving forward. And if you want to move forward towards your desires, you have to make a decision at some point and you're never going to have all that information that you need. It's also very subjective to want to make the right decision because often when people say that to me, I will ask, okay, so tell me what are the key measurements for making the right decision? Like what does the right decision actually look like in measurable terms? And often they can't answer that question. So it's like setting ourselves up for failure without all the information or all the clarity and then sitting there pondering or overthinking about it for hours and making ourselves distressed and stressed and taking no action towards the things that we want. So this tip is all about knowing that when you go into overthinking or when you want to make a big change in your life or call in confidence or make a big shift, you need to remember that you're never going to have all the information and that's okay. We can't just avoid making important decisions because we want more information. We need to do research or make logical decisions, as I've said. But if you're waiting for a crystal clear answer to arrive in your lap, then you're going to be waiting forever. Naturally, we are curious creatures, us human beings, and we have a need for information. But when that need for information becomes paralyzing and in the way of your desires, it's not really helpful. And I spoke just before about that self-trust that gets created through figuring things out in life. Confidence and self-trust and self-belief are built because you don't have all the information. So it's about saying yes to things without knowing if it's going to work out perfectly. It's about saying yes to things without knowing 25 steps, but maybe just knowing steps one and two. And it's through that not knowing that we're able to then go forward and maybe make some mistakes, have some guesses, you know, revise from there, course correct, and figure things out. And through that figuring out, we build that confidence, we build that resilience, and we build that track record with ourselves and know ourselves as someone who is capable of figuring things out when they don't have all the information. And that is power. You might have heard a saying that goes, information isn't transformation. 
And this is why, you know, so many people are are unhealthy, even though they know that they need to eat more vegetables, they know they need to move more and sleep more and breathe more and drink more water. And they don't do anything like that. So the information isn't what makes the transformation. It is taking the action. It is embodying the beliefs, embodying the information and taking the action in real life. But when we overthink, we stop taking the action. And that is what gets in the way of confidence. Not failure, not mistakes, and not making the wrong decision. It is not making any decision at all. And technically, you've been figuring things out your whole life. So you learned how to walk, you learned how to read, you learned how to write and to dance and to do all the other amazing things that you can do. And you figured so many of those things out intuitively as a child without a roadmap or all the facts or without the fear of what people would think if you fell down or if you messed up. So knowing that you will never have all the information, but that making decision and taking action is so important for confidence, my advice is to make the best decision that you can at the time of the decision. Continue to move forward Don't look back and say, I should have done it differently because you've got the benefit of hindsight then, which you don't have at the moment of making the choice. And just continue to move forward, trusting your gut, learning that it's okay to fail and trusting your ability to figure things out. And there isn't any experience in your life that you haven't been able to survive or figure out. So go forward and remember that you've always got this. The next tip or mantra or piece of advice, don't really know what to call this, is to courageously trust yourself without a reason. So we make all sorts of excuses for not making important changes towards things that we really want. But the limiting belief between all of our excuses is that we don't trust ourselves to be good enough. In fact, confidence is trusting in yourself. And it's not believing that you're the best in the world at what you do or that you can't fail. It's believing that you can do a good job and figure things out because you'll always do your best and you've relied on yourself in the past to do your best. Every time that you get up out of your chair or from your desk, you don't question if you have the confidence to move your legs, right? You just do it because you've been doing it your whole life. But at one time in your life, it took enormous courage to get up off the floor with your little chubby knees and to stand on your two feet. So sometimes we need to spruik up just the tiniest bit of courage when we're trying things for the first time. And remember that it is through the trying and through the challenges and through the repetitive um, continuation of taking that action that we create self-trust. And we're never born with it. We're not going to have it the first time we do something. We might not even have it the first 50 times we do something, but we will with consistent action and consistent trust and faith. Every time you're in that new situation or trying something for the first time, you don't have that track record to call upon. So you don't have that track record of figuring this specific thing out. And you won't know exactly what to do or how to do it. And Instead of seeing this uncharted territory as something that gets your knickers in a knot or makes you want to kind of run away, um, 
or feel scared, see it as a challenge for you to create that self-trust. See it as an opportunity for courage. See it as a blank canvas for you to create whatever you want and choose to create courage. Choose to not have it figured all out and to do it anyway. And like I've said quite a few times already, you've dealt with lots of things in your life and unexpected changes are one of those things. You've had the rug pulled out from you before. You've probably been in lots of situations that felt confusing or confronting and you still found a way to survive and to handle yourself. And in the end, you are fine. You might have even laughed later on down the track. So have enough courage to trust yourself just a tiny bit, not for a reason, not because you have all the information, not because you know how it's going to turn out, but just knowing that you are courageous and that you figure out how to make changes work. The next tip is to ask yourself, what's the very worst that could happen? Often many of my clients get into this kind of anxious state of catastrophizing things. And again, it causes that analysis paralysis because they're catastrophizing, they're thinking of the worst case scenario, and then they get so overwhelmed that they don't want to take any action. They just feel a bit like crawling under a dark rock and not coming out. So when we really realistically clarify what the worst is that could happen, we remove some of that anxiety. So a lot of anxiety in life comes from a lack of clarity or ambiguity. But when we sit down and actually say, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? And then what would I do in that situation? It can help us to kind of create that clarity remove some of that fear, and then without as much fear, we can then go, okay, well, these are my options to move forward rather than just staying where we are. Like jealousy and comparison or thinking that people are judging us or don't like us, a lot of our fears are self-created and exist in our heads or we make them way worse than what they really are. So when you sit down and truly think about the very worst case scenario, you're probably going to realize that there are very, very few risks that you couldn't deal with or recover from. So a lot of my clients like to work with me to figure out what their purpose is. And many, many, many of my clients have left their jobs after working with me. I've got a bit of a reputation as a corporate employer's worst nightmare. But jokes aside, um, what we kind of usually do in a session is we go, okay, well, what's the worst thing if you have this conversation or what's the worst thing if you quit your job and you can't find work? Like what happens then? And what tends to happen is that we take something that feels like this really overwhelming worst case scenario and we analyze it and we go, okay, well, let's say I'm talking to Anna. Anna, what would you do if you quit your job and you can't get another one straight away. And then Anna will say something like, okay, well, I've got two months of savings, but then what will I do? Like what's going to happen? And I will say, okay, yeah, so worst case scenario, you've quit your job. (coughs) You've quit your job and you've gone through your two months of savings. What would you do then? And then Anna will say, okay, well, I could probably ask my dad to lend me some money. Okay, cool. 
And so how long would he probably lend you some money for? And she's like, oh, okay, well, um, maybe like another two months. And I'm like, okay, cool. So that's four months since you've quit your job. Uh, what are you doing in terms of pursuing work opportunities? And she's like, okay, well, I would have been, you know, searching for a job for four months. Um, so hopefully I would have found one by then. And I'll say, okay, cool. So what's the worst case scenario if you didn't find one by four months? And then Anna would say, well, then maybe I'd get a job that's like a little bit below my standards or what I want to do. But, you know, I would probably still be able to get a decent job because I've got, you know, a university degree in law and I might not get a law job, but I might be able to get a job that still pays okay and could support me. I'd be like, okay, cool, cool. So then what's the worst that would happen then? And she's like, oh, well, I just worked there for a few months while I continued to job search. And then I would kind of ask Anna, okay, so, you know, does that situation feel as overwhelming and desperate as it did five minutes ago when we started this conversation? And she'd be like, well, no, like I'd be able to figure that out, wouldn't I? It wouldn't be my desired sequence of events, but it's manageable. And maybe it wouldn't turn out like that. Maybe I would get a job at two months or one month after. And if I don't take that action, then I'm not going to know. And the worst case scenario isn't actually as bad as the job that I'm staying stuck in right now, which is completely depleting me. So asking yourself what's the worst that could happen is super powerful if you want to make a big decision that scares you and you're worrying and overthinking and you feel like you don't have the confidence to make those moves. The next tip is to focus on the journey as well as the destination. So when we get wrapped up in what I call destination syndrome, we are knee deep in that deficiency mindset that I mentioned. And we're just completely obsessed with the validation that the achievement or the result is going to bring us or to our ego. All right. So you might be worried if you start out towards your big goal that you might not make it to the finish line. And that feels really scary. And that scariness might motivate you. It might make you this high achieving individual who manifests goals really quickly. But if you're approaching your goals from deficiency and fear, you're constantly going to live in a cycle and state of deficiency and fear because you don't believe that you're enough without reaching that destination. Or you might compare yourself to other people who are getting to the destination quicker than you. And When we focus just on the destination, we miss all of that beautiful experience along the way, all of that learning, all of those moments where we learn things about ourselves on a deeper level as we pursue goals and as we grow and we level up. So as well, when we focus on the destination, we don't give ourselves permission to pivot. So Sometimes when we go after a goal, it's through the journey and through the experimentation and the experience of that, that we realize that we actually have a slightly different passion in mind, or there's a different flavor of that goal that we favor more, or we want to pursue more. And if we're so focused on that destination, and so focused on just achieving that one thing, rather than letting ourselves intuitively lean into the things that we really enjoy along the way, then we don't give ourselves space to change our mind. 
especially if that change of mind is, you know, fueled by your real passion and your values and not by your fear or your fear of not achieving or getting to that destination. And changing your mind along the way can sometimes be a way that we detour towards our purpose. But you won't know that unless you take actions and embrace the process and allow yourself to be present during the process rather than just being, you know, having those blinkers on and just focusing only on getting to the destination. And equally, just because you don't reach the final goal doesn't mean that you failed. You chose the goal in the first place and it spurred you into action and you're allowed to choose a new goal halfway through. Failure isn't a destination and neither is success. And life is a process and moving towards our goals is a process and we might as well enjoy it as we move forward and we grow and we experience life because that is what life is all about and that is what success is all about. So I often work with clients who, you know, want to leave their job or, um, for example, in London, a lot of people are tied to a visa with their corporate job, right, if they're not from here. And so they desperately want to leave London, but they're stuck on this visa. And if they quit with their employer, then they may have to leave the country or it's quite difficult to find another employer to sponsor them. But they find that they so desperately want to move into a different space or a different career and they're just so unhappy, but they don't want to throw away all of that time that they've spent or, you know, all of that time that they've spent educating themselves in that particular industry or career and they feel like it would have just been a waste and they'll have to start again. But again, that's just focused on that deficiency mindset and focusing on the destination rather than prioritizing your current present happiness and the journey. So what's the point in climbing to the top of the career ladder or keeping the visa if it's making you miserable in the present moment? Having that visa or having that promotion or status at the end will feel temporarily satisfying, but then you'll be left again with that feeling of what more, like what else is there? Because you didn't enjoy the process of moving towards that goal. The next tip is to pursue opportunities. So if you're on the fence about making a big decision, you might be concerned about getting locked into a position that you can't escape. But think about it this way. New choices in life rarely limit your options. They often help to open your horizons to new stuff that you didn't know existed in the old bubble that you were living in. So when I first started my business, I knew I wanted to work in health and wellness and help people, but I really didn't know exactly what that was. I didn't know exactly what the business would look like or the position. I just knew I want to work in health and wellness and help people and I want to work with women. And so I chose to do two trainings initially, and one was as a holistic health coach. And I also did a reformer Pilates training to be a reformer Pilates teacher. And I thought maybe they could go together or maybe they would be separate and I would figure it out. And I loved reformer Pilates, but essentially I did my training. I enjoyed it, but it just didn't feel a hundred percent right. But the health coaching on the other hand felt amazing. It felt you know, really expansive. It felt like I was on purpose. I was really enjoying it. And so I opened up these doors and I realized which one I wanted to go through. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I was locked into a position that I couldn't escape with Pilates. I'd obviously invested money in the course, but I didn't see it as a waste. And 
the fact that I was moving my body, getting into my body, learning about Pilates and how the spine works actually helped me to like open up horizons into the work that I do now energetically with clients. So new pursuits open new doors and new opportunities, new changes, new directions, new passions, new purpose new inspiration all open up from the pursuit of opportunities that inspire you. And that doesn't mean having all your opportunities and all your purpose figured out from the get-go. It's just pursuing things that you're drawn to, using your intuition, leaning into the things that you're attracted to, and kind of, again, figuring it out. If you commit to pursuing really inspiring, juicy opportunities all the time and moving towards the things that you resonate with, then you can be pretty certain that you're always going to have some choices available to you. There's always going to be an abundance of options and directions for you. An all or nothing mindset, which by the way, is a totally made up story that so many women tell themselves and I used to tell myself, it rarely serves you. It rarely serves anyone. Because if something's all or nothing, It's like saying, okay, well, if you want to be fit and healthy, you have to climb Mount Everest or you can't do anything. And when you wake up and you feel like a little bit tired or, you know, it's raining, it's going to be pretty hard to go, okay, yeah, I'm going to climb Mount Everest or do nothing. Like it's going to be hard to climb Mount Everest and it's going to be a lot easier to do nothing. Whereas if you had what I would call like a something nothing mindset where you say something's better than nothing then you're actually going to take action, right? So if you commit to taking action and pursuing opportunities all the time without this expectation or this story of it's all or nothing, then you're going to open your mind up to new things, people, places, opportunities. You're going to say yes to new chances, which might lead you to amazing new stories or amazing new directions in your life and the universe is going to throw them more your way more often. The universe is going to see you pursuing those actions and vibrating at that frequency and being so open and so willing to try new things that it's going to go, hey, she's ready. I'm going to send her some new possibilities. And if there's none being thrown your way, then that's your chance to go after them yourself. So a lot of women ask me about law of attraction and how they can manifest and how they do it. And the law of attraction is amazing and it works. And I am like such a powerful manifester. There's nothing that I haven't like set out to manifest that I haven't in my life. But the law of attraction requires the law of action. So it requires that vision and that manifestation, but it also means taking action towards things that are at the same frequency as the goals that you want. It can be sometimes called living as if. So living as if that opportunity is already on its way to you. And living as if means taking action and pursuing new things and saying yes to things that inspire you before you're ready. And without action, the law of attraction is redundant. You can't just put something on a vision board and then wait for it to show up on your door. That very, very rarely happens. So if you consider a relationship as an opportunity, obviously a relationship doesn't really sound like an opportunity, but it is an opportunity for love. I'll tell you a story about how I manifested my relationship. So I pursued a soulful relationship. When I met Tristan, I didn't consciously think that I was looking for a relationship 
And then that sort of cliche comes up where people say, it'll happen when you least expect it, which is kind of what happened, but I'd manifested it, right? So five years before I met Tristan, I worked with a coach and we wrote down a list of values, qualities, and interests that I would share with a partner and what I was really attracted to in terms of their soul's energy and in terms of the person that they are and in terms of the kind of energy we would embody in our relationship together, the things we would do together and how it would feel to be together. And I was really, really open to that. I made myself open to that. And I said no to anything that wasn't that. And I said yes to anything that was in that frequency. So one of the things that my coach said to me was like, okay, Amy, I see that you really want a partner who's trusting. And I see that you really want a partner who's interested in health and wellness. And you really want a partner who is generous and who is into personal development and is ambitious and wants to grow and prioritizes their family. And I said, yeah, for sure, Isabel, that was her name. And then she said, okay, well, are you embodying these things? Are you taking action on these things? Are you playing to your fullest potential in all of these areas of life? And being really honest with her, I said, no, you know, I'm waiting to act that way when I meet that person, if I'm being super honest, which I think is, you know, something that's really important to say to you, because I think a lot of us say that we're going to be that dream version of ourselves when the opportunity presents. We're going to be that dream person when that man shows up or when that job shows up or when we tick that box or achievement, then I'm going to be this way. But life is happening now. The pursuit of these opportunities happens now. And so for me, I went on this quest for like the next, you know, several years of getting into that frequency, saying yes to myself, being generous with myself, treating myself healthily taking actions from a place of like authenticity, eating foods because they were nourishing, not because they were going to help me lose weight, traveling on my own, you know, being in friendships with people that were respectful and had a similar frequency to what I wanted in a romantic relationship rather than just, you know, going out with all my drinking buddies who probably didn't give a shit about me. So Then when I was in that state and I really started to overhaul my life, I quit my career and I moved over to London. And that's when I met Tristan because I was so open and I was so, you know, adamant in my pursuit of opportunities and saying yes to my dream self and my higher self and yes to all my values that I was in the perfect kind of frequency and place in my life to attract Tristan, who was all of those things on that list. And we're now married. We had this, you know, whirlwind relationship and got married really quickly after we met. So that was the result of me taking the action. Had I just written the list and put this person on the vision board and then stayed the same way that I was being, I never would have moved to London. I never would have probably been attractive to someone like Tristan. I never would have been taking those action steps and I never never would have had those opportunities given to me by the universe. And this is just one example of many ways in which I've manifested things in my life. But I thought I would share this one with you because a lot of women message me because they're really terrified that they're not going to find the one, they're going through a breakup. And I think it's really important to let you know that it's up to you to create the possibilities for yourself when you're manifesting. It's up to you to pursue the opportunities and it's up to you to be responsible for creating a life that you love. 
The next piece of advice is to stop being so reasonable. So what I mean by this, and I say this over and over and over again in the Make Your Magic Academy, is to stop making reasons for why you can't do things. Stop making reasons for why things aren't possible for you. Stop being, you know, so safe and so small with your life. One of the reasons that many of us don't create the things that we want in our lives is because we don't make the changes and we don't take the action and it all feels too overwhelming. So we think, why try? We go into victim mode. We feel like we're just staring up the summit of the mountain. You know, again, it's like that all or nothing mindset. And we don't have a clue how we're going to get to the top or what the 50 different movements and deviations are to get to the top. So we don't try at all because it's easier to make reasons why we shouldn't and it's easier to turn around and to stay where we are. Even if where we are is uncomfortable, it is still more secure and reasonable than the unknown that we stare into when we're thinking about going for our dream life or creating our goals. A real life example of this is staying in a job or a relationship that you hate. So you might not try very hard to find a new job. You might think that you're trying, but I'm sure you're not fully committed. And you might put that reason down to a lack of other opportunities. Or you might say that the economy is bad, so you can't move. So you just have to stay where you don't want to be and play the victim. Or you might stay in a relationship because you're scared that it's too hard to leave or you're scared that you might not find anyone else. So you make reasons for why the relationship's not that bad. I mean, you never want to describe a relationship as not that bad, right? So you might have tons of reasons, okay, excuses, why it's easier to stay where you are. Even though in your heart, your values and your emotions, even though you know that all those things are clearly screaming that they want out, that they want somewhere else, that they want something else. So why do we make these reasons? Well, there's one kind of thought and it's that if we try and we fail, then we failed. But if we don't try, then it's not us that failed and it's not us that's the failure. It's a reason, it's life or circumstances or a lack of effort or a lack of resources or a lack of focus or a lack of fairness in the world, a lack of opportunity. But then we get to avoid this kind of deep, dark fear that we have in our subconscious mind that we're a failure or that we're not good enough. Success and growth always come down to your attitude It's not about your resources. It's not about how beautiful you are. It's not that you're the smartest person in the world or how much money you have. It's not the resources. It's the resourcefulness. And you can't be resourceful when you're being reasonable. So let's look at the invention of the airplane. So the Wright brothers, they had nothing like in their deck of cards, right? They were, you know, They had no funding. They didn't have a fan base. They didn't have any social status. Um, And there was this other guy who had all the government funding and all the social status and, you know, all of the reasons why he should succeed, yet it was the Wright brothers that discovered how to fly as opposed to their counterpart, whose name I can't even remember because, you know, 
He was being so reasonable. He didn't achieve it. I don't even remember his name. And he was wildly wealthy and had all of the resources and all the experts on his team and the whole world rooting for him, right? But it was the Wright brothers that had the attitude. It was the Wright brothers that had the unreasonable attitude that said, you know, we're committed to this and we're going to find a way. This is our purpose. So I'm not going to be reasonable about it, right? So the next time that you say no to an opportunity or you say no to yourself when deep down you know that you really want to make a change but that inner critic in you is judging you or telling you that you'll you'll fail or you won't survive that change or that you suck or you're not good enough, say to that critic, screw you, screw your reasons and give yourself a pep talk and push forward with just one step at a time and maybe a smile and give yourself permission to be a bit unreasonable with the stuff that lights you up. There is nothing that logically describes why some things light us up. We're all unique. We're all human. We all share the same biology, yet we're all so different and we all have different things that we're passionate about and that light that fire in us. And that's not logical or reasonable. So don't apply your logic and your reasons to your passion, to the pursuit of your passion. Take calculated risks, yeah, but still take risks and don't let reasons get in the way for you being the victim and staying where you are. It feels much, much worse to stay where you are forever, miserable, unfulfilled than it does to fail here and there in the pursuit of the things that you love. And I can say that with absolute experience and as someone who fails all the time and I continue to get back up because I fucking love what I do. The last piece of advice that I really want to share with you is to work with coaches and mentors and facilitators. So if you followed along with me for a while, you will know that I talk about this all the time. I am so passionate about coaching, not only because I'm a coach and a facilitator and a healer and a mentor, but because I work with those people too for myself. So just because I'm a coach doesn't mean I coach myself. I seek that support in the areas of my life, which are really meaningful to me. So if you think about a uh, Olympic athlete or a champion basketball superstar. They all have coaches and it's not because the coach is better at playing basketball or better at the sport or better at whatever the area of expertise is. It's because the coach offers you the support, the accountability, the objective frame of reference, like the fly on the wall that can see the things from the sideline that the player can't see. And often when we're that player on the court in our lives, if you take confidence, for example, on the court in your life, making changes, having hard conversations, setting goals, sitting in fear, it can be really hard for you to take fully objective action because you're in the thick of it. If you're about to leave your job and you have uncertainty around what that looks like financially and you're starting a business and you've got uncertainty and fear and limiting beliefs around that, it's really hard for you to make objective decisions and empowering decisions 
because you're in the center of that. You're operating from your subconscious mind and your frame of reference of your life and your unique set of experiences. And sometimes it's like you don't know what you don't know, right? The coach, the mentor is there to help facilitate the positive change that you want to make. So it's really important that we take responsibility for taking action in our lives and that we take, you know, full ownership over the changes that we want to make when it comes to goals, building confidence, having amazing self-worth and great health and all of the, you know, juicy things that we want for life. Like, yes, that's our responsibility, but it is so, so fundamental to have support when and where you need it, particularly in the areas that, you know, are closest to your heart. So for me, this is why I work with new business women as a business mentor in addition to what I do and women who are starting out in wellness because so much fear that they've potentially already worked through in other areas of their life arises when they start a business because they're being seen and they're putting themselves out there and they're expressing themselves. And the fear of judgment or comparison or fear around money and scarcity can often come up, right? So sometimes when we make these big changes, even though we've already worked through our subconscious and our beliefs, we need a coach there to help us get to that next level and to push through those those walls that I mentioned at the start of the podcast, to push through those setbacks which inevitably come up. And it's about recognizing that we don't have to do it all on our own. And that there are amazing people in the world and coaches and mentors and facilitators who can help you to get to where you want to go faster if you're willing to invest in yourself and back yourself with money that it costs to invest in coaches and programs and personal development. So that can be really hard when you have low confidence to say, okay, I'm going to go invest like two grand, 10 grand, whatever it is in a coach because I don't even know if it's going to work because I have this fundamental fear that there's something wrong with me or that I'm not good enough to make it or I'm not good enough to like become this person or start this business. But it's actually through investing in that coach and allowing that person to come into your space and help you move through that stuff that you build confidence. It's very, very confidence invoking when you spend a ton of money on a coach which is essentially spending money on yourself, right? So when I invest in business coaches, you know, sometimes it's like five grand, 10 grand at a time. And you don't always have a guarantee that you're going to make that back. But in the actual, you know, investment, the transferring of that money, it energetically and subconsciously sends a message to myself, I am fucking worth this money. I am worth this. I love myself and I back myself so much that I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. And that in itself invokes so much confidence and self-worth and self-belief in me. And all of my one-to-one clients will attest to this too. So often to invest in one-to-one coaching or even for some women for the Make Your Magic Academy, it's a real financial leap for them to do that. And they're scared and they've maybe never spent that much money on their own personal development. But all of them will tell you that it was so worth it. And the positive changes and the confidence actually begin the moment that they actually like paid before they've even had a session. Sometimes they go out and they notice these massive shifts that occur 
naturally and more abundance starts coming into their life because energetically and to the subconscious mind, they've sent that message that I am worth it and I believe in myself enough to actually create this energy shift with my money, with my commitment, with my investment of time. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to show up for myself and this person's going to keep me accountable. And that in itself is empowering. So if you're someone who wants to create these big positive changes in your life, if you want to manifest magic, if you want to be the most confident version of you and there are parts of your life where there are walls or setbacks or barriers to that and you're really struggling to get through them, know that you don't have to do it on your own and invest in yourself. It could be a coach. It could be a mentor. It could be a seminar. It could be one of my programs, the Make Your Magic Academy. It could be coming to see me one-to-one. It could even be, you know, spending three hours a month on your personal development in terms of a time investment. That in itself will show the universe and show your subconscious mind that you're serious about how worthy you are and that you're serious about your confidence and that you're serious about creating, manifesting and embodying the values, the desires, and the person that you want to become. So hopefully this episode's been powerful for you. We've spoken a lot today about mindset tips, so things to do with the mental side of who we are, things to do with our emotions, our thoughts, our brain, our subconscious. But I think it's also important for me to say that we do have to work on different levels. So as a coach, I don't just work on the mental level. A lot of life coaches and transformational coaches work on the mental level, and I do, but I also like to work holistically. So with clients, I work with the body, with the energy, with the chakras, you know, with the brain, with the limiting beliefs, with the whole kind of picture, metaphysical, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, physical. And this episode's been all about mindset and mental uh, stuff and taking action, but I'm going to create another episode on some of the more energetic stuff, some of the more metaphysical and spiritual stuff that I know some of you have been asking about. But these are really great tips for you to start taking action and implementing in your life right now on your own or with the support of a coach. And these are going to be really amazing doorways for you to get started on your confidence journey or making a big change confidently and building confidence through transition, transformation, and big leaps in your life. So if you liked it, I would love if you would leave me a review. I'm always really grateful for your reviews. And I hope you have an amazing day, whatever you're doing. Send me a message if this resonated for you. And I would love to hear your feedback if any of you implement any of these into your life um, in the present moment or in the future. Touch base and let me know. Always love hearing your stories. For those who felt super inspired by this episode and you're ready to make a big change, I would love to support you and I would love to invite you to join the next round of Make Your Magic Academy. It's starting on July 3rd, but I'm currently enrolling for it. So hit me up, send me a DM or head over to my website. I'll pop the link in the show notes. For those who don't know about the Make Your Magic Academy, I'd love to tell you about it. So the Make Your Magic Academy is a transformational training program, fully online, so you can study from anywhere in the world. And it is a step-by-step guideline, blueprint, 
container, support system, all of the things to help you heal from unhealthy patterns and fully ignite your confidence on every level. It's a perfect container if you want to build your confidence, build your self-worth, but it is especially powerful if you have been thinking about making a massive change in your life, but you've just been paralyzed by fear or overthinking. It really is such a special place for that. And so many of our previous members have gone on to do really, really big things like quit corporate careers and start businesses, travel the world, leave relationships, start new ones, get healthy, lose tons of weight. It's been so, so amazing to watch and observe the transformations that have come out of previous academies. So the academy gives you the practical support, the tools, the strategies to transform your self-criticism and overthinking and inaction into lasting soulful confidence, transformation, and getting your sparkle back. The academy is open to everyone every walk of life, whether you're dipping your toe into the world of personal development or you're a seasoned self-personal development, self-help junkie that's tried every course and seminar there is. It's really welcome and open to everyone. And it's an eight-week journey that will literally change the way that you see yourself forever. And it will show you step-by-step how to actually tap into that confidence and potential and how to break up with a mean inner critic in your head that stops you from taking aligned action towards a bolder, courageous, and more happier you. So I'm going to pop all the details for the Academy in the show notes. I'll link it all there, but send me a DM on Instagram or an email if you want to connect and talk about the Academy. And I would love to give you one of the spots if you feel it resonates for you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review, or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful and it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode and until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.